Lord this morning. Stand with us as we open in worship. We sing to our Lord and Savior. Sing along with us this morning.
Amen. Boy, we're singing like that. We don't want to stop, do we? We just want to keep singing to our Savior. Amen. Amen. One day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, so why not just start now, right? It's so good to have you all this morning here at Sunset Hills Baptist Church. We welcome you uh, to worship the risen King. If you're joining our live stream, we welcome you as well. Uh, we're so glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. We have a few uh, uh, special things. You all can have a seat this morning. Uh, if you are a, a guest, this is your first time here this morning. Uh, we're so honored and glad to have you with us. We'd love to get to know you more to figure out how to serve your family best. So we hope you'll stop at our welcome desk on the way out so we can say hi, give you a pat on the back, and, and just talk with you. Um, we're going to show you a quick video here of uh, VBS. We had our VBS this week, Concretes and Cranes. We had a great VBS team that told our kids about the best news ever, which is that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, and then that wasn't the end of the story. He rose from the grave. Uh, share with us now as we look at what God has done this week.
That was VBS Concrete and Cranes this week. We're so thankful for our team. If you are here this morning, you're a team member. We thank you so much for pouring into the kids this week. They're going to share a quick song with you this week uh, right now uh, called Build My Life. a lot of fun being around here this week as pastor I was just watching and seeing all the kids and their involvement as well as I want to tell you just as enthusiastic just as exciting were the folks who were working uh, VBS and I just want to call out those folks because a lot of work went into making this past week a real success 
And as I call out these different positions that our folks represent, I want you to stand. And at the end, we want to recognize all of you. If you're involved with registration, if you're one of the Bible teachers, uh, if you were involved with recreation, okay, guys, stand as I'm calling this out. If you were involved with snacks, either providing snacks or being here to make snacks happen, sound and video presentation, uh, if you were involved in that, uh, if you were taking pictures or uh, a videographer, if you were a volunteer who made dinners for the workers to, you know, as they were getting off from work and coming here, you provided dinner for that, please stand. Uh, if you um, were involved with the crafts, the music, the decorating, in the, if you rented an inflatable or you lent a construction grader for kids to climb into, if you were one of the Gideons who get handed out Bibles or a security or a greeter, if you were a student helper or student ministry, if you were involved in student ministry, you're one of the guys who painted all of those uh, big concrete blocks that we had. And any others that I might have missed, would you please stand? And I won't recognize one more person is Pastor Mike. Pastor Mike is a glue that put it all together. All of you did a great job, and thank you for your hard work and being involved with VBS and, and really giving that strong foundation for our kids to uh, learn about and, and to put a practice into their life. Thanks a whole lot. Would you stand with us as we continue to worship? You're singing a great old hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Sing out this morning.
his faithfulness and that he renews those mercies every single morning because he knows that we need them. Let's just take a moment and thank him, if you will, this morning. For all that you've done, I will thank you. For all that you're going to do. For all that you've promised and all that you are. all that has carried me through. Jesus, I thank you. You have something to be thankful for this morning? take a moment and say thank you God Lord all that we have we owe to you Lord for you see that we had a debt that we couldn't pay but Lord we're just so grateful this morning that you sent your son Jesus Lord, to pay that sin debt for us that we would have the hope of spending eternity with you Lord, we thank you for all those blessings and the favor that, God, you have in store for us even today and tomorrow. Lord, let us never take your grace and mercy and love for granted. Lord, as we enter this time of spoken word and worship, Lord, I just pray that you would just anoint this time. Speak to our hearts, God. Lord, if you do that, 
pray that we would just be obedient and bold to do what you call us to do. In the beautiful name of Jesus, we pray this morning. Amen. You may be seated today. It is good to see you here this morning on campus. If you're, like as Pastor Mike said, if you're joining us by Facebook Live or by live stream, thank you so much for joining in that way as well. We have a lot of folks that are traveling, and we have a lot of folks be traveling this next week, trying to get in those final days of vacation before school starts. Can you believe that this next coming week will be the last week of July? Is that right? Is it is like is what two more weeks of July yeah well whatever it is one week two weeks or it's like wow where did this year go right there are many tenets of the Christian faith that make what we do as believers and followers of Jesus Christ different from any other religion our faith my faith your faith what we've been singing about this morning, what we spent this past week trying to instill in the children of our church and in the community that our faith is built upon Jesus Christ, him being God himself who came down from those, those glorious portals of heaven to become man. All, all other religions say, says that Mankind has to reach up to God uh, and grab hold of him and, and, and do the best they can of their own efforts. The Christian faith is the only true religion where God chooses rather than us reaching up, he reaches down uh, to, to, to come be with us. Followers of Jesus then are invited and we're accepted into a personal and I really emphasize the word personal there, a personal relationship with God because he loves us. And rather than having to maintain a relationship through a system of do's and don'ts to please him, he offers us something that other religions seem to falter on. Christianity is the only religion that is based upon the most incredible event that has ever happened in our world, and it is based upon the fact that Jesus resurrected from the dead and he lives today. Amen? So I ask you this question with that in mind. Is forgiveness important to understanding Christianity? Well, you might say, well, that's kind of a silly question, Steve. Because we know that a major premise of Christianity is uh, the, the theological term atonement. That is that Jesus came so that we might be forgiven of our sin all through the Bible. It, it's this, this relationship of where forgiveness is offered. It's pretty clear and it's a pretty uh, obvious answer that in fact, yes, forgiveness is important to Christianity. You cannot become a Christian without understanding that you must be forgiven of your sins. Our God, my God, and your God is all about forgiving sins. 
and he stands ready and willing to forgive. 1 John 1, 9 says this, but if we confess our sins to him, he, read it with me, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Now, I don't know, that right there is a great message of the gospel, right? That we can stand before God and be forgiven. Have you been done something this past week? Well, let me just change it. Have you done something this morning that you need to be forgiven of? Chances are it's pretty good, that chance that you do need to be forgiven. And he forgives us of our sin. He does this for us, and he does something for us that we can never do ourselves. And I tell you this, it cost him a good deal. It cost him plenty so that we would have this right to go before him and say, God, please forgive me of my sins. That was made possible only through the sacrificial death of Jesus. It's an amazing act of grace that should really consume us with gratitude back to God. I don't think this would be anything new to you, that, but to know that God absolutely wants the best for you and me. And he proves this in so many different ways, and one of those is the act of forgiveness. Most people, I think, though, in culture, outside of the church, and maybe inside the church, we have this idea and we just presume that God is just going to automatically forgive us of our sins, that if we do enough good, that he'll just overlook all the bad in our lives. But unfortunately, and really tragically, they, they uh, assume that this forgiveness is just automatic and requires nothing from you and me and from them. But it's necessary that we understand that we must repent of our sins in order to be forgiven. Jesus doesn't excuse away sin. He forgives us. But excusing means that he's just winking at people uh, and saying that there's no big deal. Forgiving means that we acknowledge that it is serious and that we're guilty, but he offers to clean us up anyway. God is willing to forgive, but we must be willing to repent of our sin. But here's the deal. Why don't we get this? Why is it that we dislike repentance so much? Well, I often ask a question, and I turn around and I answer the question, right? But you could probably answer it too. One of those reasons that, that uh, we have a problem with this is because when we get called in on the carpet, for, uh, as an example, it, we, we have a pride issue. It hurts our pride. Another reason, quite possibly, is we don't like admitting fault. We don't like admitting that we have sin. But I, I propose to you that many people who are Christians who wholeheartedly believe that Jesus came to die for our sins only understand a part of the importance of forgiveness to those of us who call ourselves Christians. Repentance means then I'm going to do a 180-degree turn, go in the opposite direction. It means I'm going to change direction from the sin that I've committed. We've often made forgiveness to be at best if you, if you feel bad about something. 
<clears throat> that God will forgive you, but yet we fail to repent to turn away from that sin. We don't include the repentance part as far, part of the, the, the equation. What we end up doing is basically, God, just take care of my guilt. I don't want to feel bad about this, so just kind of relieve me of that until the next time. We were talking in our life group this morning, why is it that, that we sin? Quite often, we get pleasure out of sin. Do you know that sin is pleasurable? You know that, right? It is for a season, right? But when it starts catching up with you, that's a, that's a problem. It, it will catch up with us. And, and oftentimes, we'd rather have the pleasure rather than the guilt. But then when we do feel guilty, it's God just take care of everything. And, and maybe we try to convince her, I'm not going to do it anymore. But then an opportunity comes up and we're right back at it. So if I ask God to forgive me, but I have no desire or inclination to actually get rid of that sin, it's quite possible it's time to stop and reevaluate what's going on. Forgiveness isn't just about getting rid of the guilt when I feel bad. It's wanting to get rid of the sin that so easily, as Paul says, besets me. So really, the whole idea of this forgiveness, it's God's unique ability. It starts with him. It was personified through Jesus Christ, and it was given to us so that we could in turn do something with it that that forgiveness might be personified through us anything we know about forgiveness it starts with God it's based on his mercy it's based on his forgiveness forgiveness for what we do wrong is good and available and if we do it if we're consistent with it if we repent then it becomes life-changing now, Jesus had a great deal to say about forgiving. And a lot of his conversation had much to say about not just forgiveness between us and God, but forgiving others. In fact, he was very stern about this. <clears throat> when he was teaching his disciples how to pray, remember, he modeled a prayer for them, and, and he encouraged them to use this and us to use it. And he included the act of forgiveness in the instructional prayer. It says, and forgive us our debts. That's, Lord, forgive us for when we fail you. Some versions of the Bible read trespass and others says sin. Whenever the word, whatever word we use, it means that we've done something wrong we shouldn't have and we've trespassed against God. Forgive us of this. I think for the most part we get this, right? In the church, we understand this need to be forgiven, even though we might have a problem with repentance. But there's a second part to this model prayer that Jesus gives us about forgiveness that I think we struggle with. And it's this, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus points out the importance of asking forgiveness from God and also in the business of forgiving each other. Somewhere along the way, we became accustomed to ending the Lord's Prayer with, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever, amen. And, and, and then uh, 
we, we, we sort of forget about what it is that God's trying to get us to do in our life. But here in, in the same uh, chapter that uh, uh, Jesus is teaching this prayer, it goes on in verses 14 and 15, it says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But watch this. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, that's pretty strong teaching, is it not? If I want to be forgiven of my sin with God, I need to forgive others. Maybe we, uh, we, we probably need to do a little work here to understand the, the meaning of these two verses. On the one hand, the teaching of Jesus implies that a, our eternal destiny is tied to whether or not we forgive everyone who's wronged us. But then on the other hand, the Bible makes it clear that, that our salvation has nothing to do with our works, but instead God's forgiveness of our sins is totally based upon the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And that's true. All you have to do is go to John 3, 16 to discover that. 1 John 2, 2 says this, He himself is the sacrifice that atones our sin, and not only our sins, but the sin of the world. 1 John 4.10 says, This is real love, not that we've loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away the sin of our, our sins. Ephesians 2.8.9 helps us understand this. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. I don't think Jesus is saying that if you don't forgive someone who has hurt you, that you're going to lose your salvation. Our sin transaction with Jesus is a one-and-done deal where Jesus offers himself, we ask for forgiveness, we believe that he died on the cross for our sins, we confess our sins, and we ask him to come be a part of our life, then that is one and done. But on the other hand, struggling to forgive someone who has wronged us is usually a multi-step affair that often takes significant time and work. We're talking about really when we fail to forgive it interrupting our daily fellowship with Christ and not our eternal relationship with Christ. So this morning, I want to talk to you about forgiveness, really toward other people. Can I ask you something? Have you ever done something that you need? See, I already know the answer to this, right? Have you ever done something to someone else that you needed forgiveness for? Now, I, I think if I were to ask you to raise your hand, every hand would go up, right? Let, let's just see. If you've ever done something to someone else that you needed to ask for forgiveness for, raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand, you're lying. <laughs> you have. You know what? We often just stop right there. We've done something to someone else that we really needed to be forgiven for. 
I'm going to get more into that in just a minute. But here's the next part to that question. And you received forgiveness. So let me put it all together. Have you ever done something that you needed forgiveness for and you received forgiveness? The next question I ask is, were you forgiven? The answer is obviously yes. To the first one, primarily, maybe yes to the second part. You did something you knew was wrong. You faced up to it and asked for forgiveness and received it. Okay, now I want to ask you another question. Has someone else ever done something to you? Okay, I'm about to get in your business. Has someone else ever done something to you and you have not forgiven them for it? I don't think I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on that one. If the answer is yes to that question, you're my target today. I suppose that hopefully you'll listen to this because it's not what I'm saying. It's what the Bible has to say. In Matthew chapter 18, it's recorded that Jesus initiates, uh, that Peter initiates a discussion when he says, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? You know the answer to what he says, right? He answers his own question, but he does it with a question himself. Seven times? Have you ever asked someone a question thinking about how you're going to, uh, going to answer, and in turn, you got an answer that shocked you? You know, it's like, uh, it's kind of like you ask a question, and you're expecting a certain answer to come back, and it doesn't come back exactly why, what you were thinking it should be, and it just kind of blew you away. It, it might have done some damage to your ego. Uh, not what you thought you should hear. Sometimes I get it from Lynn, like, how'd you like my sermon today? Wasn't that a good illustration I used? And she comes back with, well, it was all right. Or your sermon was way too long. She's just echoing what some of you all say. Talk about a kick in the gut when she said, I, it happened last week. We were driving home. It's like, what'd you think about that? And it's like, it wasn't what I was expecting. I'm like, man, really? Why'd you marry me? Yeah, kind of like that. How you, come on. Anybody ever had that happen to them? Raise your hand. Anybody? There's like three of us. You're lying now, too. That kick in the gut, I'm sure, is the same kind of way that Peter must have felt, maybe just a smidgen, when he heard Jesus say to his question, no, not seven times. Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. And then Jesus uses this opportunity to teach. He tells a story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of the debtors who was brought in, who owed him millions of dollars, he couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. It's pretty serious, right? 
But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. And the master was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me, and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put into prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. Then they went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man and he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly Father will do for you, to you, if you refuse to forgive your brothers and your sisters from the heart. It's a pretty amazing story, really. The wicked servant owed 10,000 talents. A talent was about 1,000 denarii, and denarii was about one day's wage, about a billion dollars, millions and millions of dollars. The forgiven servant only owed about 10000 put it in perspective. That was nothing compared to the, the larger debt that was forgiven by the king, yet he still refused to forgive. And here's Jesus making it pretty clear that we're to forgive our brothers from your heart. And really, truly, forgiveness to others is not really a choice to people who call themselves Christians. It could be under that we understand this. For some reason, we just want we, we to hang on to unforgiveness. We, we just want to say, well, you don't understand what that person's done to me. And so rather than understanding what the New Testament teaches us, we just kind of hang on to it. We have this problem such a problem that we can't forgive. Why is that the case? Well, I've got some reasons for that, I think. I think the first one is that someone has hurt us. No one likes to get hurt. I've been hurt several times. I don't like it, and you don't either. We have difficulty forgiving someone when we have been wronged or we've been hurt, whether it's physically or emotionally or verbally or financially. Uh, it could be a hurt that we experienced in childhood or adulthood. It, it doesn't have to be a big hurt often. Just some little word that might have been said that, that didn't set well with us that was just at the wrong time. Uh, uh, so, you know what? They just hurt me. They need to pay for what they did to me. And in fact, uh, that's just what justice is all about and to that we reply forgiving doesn't necessarily that we mean that we let those people off the hook we can and should hold others accountable for their actions or their lack of actions and if a crime has been committed we should report it 
The person may need to be held legally accountable for it. But when we forgive, we may let them off of our hook, but the reality is they're still on God's hook. You could easily look at it this way. Uh, even when someone has hurt you, forgiveness is releasing my right to get even and releasing it rather than offense and being an offense to God. Who has it is said, vengeance is mine, it saith the Lord. So let him do his work. Forgiveness is returning to God the right to take care of that issue, to release it from ourselves, from getting revenge or punishment. We're telling God, I'm going to trust you with this. Just take it out of my hands. Forgiveness does not mean that we necessarily restore the relationship with the one who hurt us. As if nothing happened, something did happen. Trust may have been broken. Circumstances had changed. Abuse maybe had occurred. If the one who hurt us is repentant, we may choose to establish some new relationship with them, but we may do it with a, by having boundaries, uh, giving the offender over a period of time the opportunity to regain our trust, even though they've hurt us. And here's another reason we have such a problem with it. We want to avoid dis additional pain. I think oftentimes we want to avoid all pain altogether. This includes one of the hardest things for a lot of people to do is, is confrontation. We don't want to confront, and we seek out ways to get around it. And often what we'll do, rather than being hurt again, we'll avoid the person that hurt us. We may hide from people we don't want to have a conversation with. Anybody ever done this? Yes, you have. I just, they've hurt me. I, I see them coming. I, I'm in a store with them. I'm ducking around the other way. I, I, I get away from them. We, we may seek a, a, a confrontation with them. We hide from them. We don't want to have that hard conversation. And instead of dealing with it, we avoid it. We don't allow ourselves to think about certain things. Some people look for ways to heal their hurt in different ways as a, rather than avoiding, uh, rather than confronting the problem. Oftentimes they just try to cover up their pain. We see this often in abuses of, of drugs or alcohol. Uh, an, another reason that we, we have such a problem with it is we want to move on without dealing with it. We just try to forget the whole thing happened. Uh, we've lived in pain for such a long time. We, we just think, well, it's just, it's, it just happened. I just need to go on with life. But you never deal with it. We deny that we've been hurt. And, um, turns into just covering it up. Uh, we smile and say, well, I've really dealt with it. And... I forgave them a long time ago. I've moved on, but really it's, we haven't. And right now, probably there's some people who are struggling with some kind of hurt that you've never really dealt with appropriate. That's called unresolved conflict. I have been in enough marriage counseling sessions 
that I've seen this really wreck some marriages of dealing with, not dealing with conflict that needs to be resolved. If you don't deal with conflict, at some point in time, it's going to show itself again. Forgiving does not mean that we forget or try to avoid what they did with us, to us. Forgiveness does not mean forgetting, but when those thoughts of past hurts occur, uh, it's what we do with them that counts. When we find ourselves in a, in a situation of focusing on a past offense, we need to learn to say, God, I'm trying to deal with, help me through it. Help me forgive that person. Let it be a reminder of what you've done for me. And when we fail to do that, we still allow it to do the next thing. And that allow it become a lifestyle. Another way of saying is we succumb to it. We, if we want to hang on to the pain, it begins to affect how we choose to do life. And when you haven't truly dealt with pain properly, it starts working throughout through your behavior. What does it look like? A short temper, oversensitivity, shyness, a critical spirit, jealousy, blame. All of these can be evidence of unresolved conflict. We can move, we can change jobs, we can change friends, we can make uh, all sorts of resolutions, we can memorize scripture, we can pray long prayers, but until we deal with the root of the problem, we ultimately have difficulty overcoming and forgiving. What it eventually leads to, we get defined by it, and it ultimately destroys our ability to have joy. We're defined by it. I mean, all you have to do is just look around. You see people who have developed these, these characteristics that, that you can trace, chase it back to pain that they've encountered. You've seen it. Those bad moments of your life become your identity. We see this being played out throughout our culture today where someone goes and does something and takes lives and they, they, it's because they're dealing with the pain in their own life. Many of us, we become an object of our own devices, our own failures. And we see that what happens through us through that lens of bad encounter. If we don't get a handle on it, it becomes who we are. And it's what people know us by. How did it become our identity? Because we failed to focus on it. Because you focused on the wrong thing. Every time it's brought up, you stew over it, you make an excuse of why you cannot get past it, and it further defines you. We become bitter. For many people, they don't hold for unforgiveness it holds them it's a grip that won't let people go anger and revenge sets in skepticism rises and a lack of trust in anybody and anything creeps in even we take it out on God so why why are you allowing this to happen to me why did you let this happen 
And all of that destroys our ability to have joy. Unforgiveness ends up hurting you, me, than it does other people. Here's a key verse for the mandate to forgive. And it kind of wraps it all up. Ephesians 4.31 says, Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every other form of malice. Okay, you're going to be offended by somebody, right? You're going to be offended. You might be offended by the same person over and over and over. Sooner or later, someone is going to offend you. And if you react to that out of bitterness and rage and anger, brawling and slander and all sorts of malice, and when that comes up, you're going to respond back to those people, which has the potential of destroying your Christian witness. All of those things that people do, they're just part of everyday life. And, and, and they, they can surface from time to time. Paul is saying, yeah, I know these emotions are out there. And they're part of everyday life. But do your best to get rid of them. But then he says this, in return. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Watch this. Forgiving each other. Just as Christ Jesus, Christ in Christ, God forgave you. Now, that's a pretty tall order, is it not? How are we supposed to forgive? How are we supposed to act to the other person? He says, start developing an attitude rather than having a lifestyle that's going to hold you captive have a lifestyle that's going to release you. How do you do that? You be kind, you be compassionate to one another, and then you forgive. And he doesn't say based on how other people forgive. He puts a caveat on it that you forgive each other in Christ how God forgave you. Have that attitude. How do you do this? Through kindness and compassion. Be willing, being willing to forgive others, it softens our attitude toward others, even those people that have hurt us. It's hard to have bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander when your heart is more compelled toward kindness and being compassionate. Ephesians, or Ecclesiastes 7, 6 says this, Keep your temper under control. It is foolish to harbor a grudge. Did I, last week I asked people if they knew me way back. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take a chance here. Do any of you folks know me back when I had a fiery red-headed temper? There's one that's admitting it. I'm telling you, it will get the best. You all know my oldest brother Rick passed away back in January, and I had the privilege of doing his 
funeral service uh, from my basically my my hospital bed at home uh, there was one day my, I tell you if there was something that would set me off faster than anybody, anything else and none of y'all better do this because I still have it if you called me red it would it would raise the anger inside of me it would come to a boil in no time at all and my oldest brother Rick loved to do that with me we were we were in Sunday school one time uh, and, and, our, and I was a kid I was probably 13 at the time and he told his friends who were old, all older than me he said watch this and I walked in as I was standing on the other side of the room he says Hey, Red, don't call me that. I'd rather be dead than red on the head. Red? Man, I was like a machine just going like this at him. I backed him in that corner, and if it hadn't been his friends pulling me off, I'd have beat him to a pulp that day because I had a temper just like that still do thank goodness I've tried to control it somehow here's scripture that says keep your temper under control it goes on it is foolish to harbor a grudge why because it will control you and I want to tell you it won't change the past when you lose your temper it will keep you in pain. It will allow you to keep rehearsing the pain over and over. Bitter and resentment are detrimental to this joyful relationship. I think we can all agree and see this either in our own lives and the lives of others, that we need to do something about it. So how do I take steps toward having an attitude of forgiveness? Except, uh, first of all, forgiveness for yourself. We talked about this to an extent. If I'm a Christian, I know I'm forgiven. I know that God loves me. I I've got that. But what I'm saying here is to, if you accepted forgiveness, you also understand that by accepting that forgiveness, you didn't earn it. There was nothing that you could have do that would have allowed you to earn it. You can't work for it. You can't work your way toward it. If you think you've earned forgiveness, if you think you can do it by writing off a checklist, I did this, I did this, I did this. Uh, like if God's going to look at me and say, well, I accept you more because of all those things you did, then you don't understand the whole concept of what being forgiveness is. On the other hand, when you understand that you can't earn forgiveness, that it comes from God, that really in and of itself ought to change your perspective. That's what, what uh, Jesus was trying to get Peter to see and what the king he described. He offered you forgiveness, and here you are turning around and not forgiving others. Realize the debt that was owed, and you choose to ignore it. So we accept the forgiveness, and we understand where the give forgiveness comes from. 
And then you take that and you exercise it. You cannot give something that you haven't received. So the first point is you receive forgiveness. And here's the second thing you do is cut others some slack. And truly, we really don't know. And people that we encounter, we really don't know what the other person's going through. Might be saying something, might be doing something, and we don't understand where they are. Here's what Colossians says about it. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Make allowance for other people. Cut them some slack and then forgive them. Those who offend you, remember the Lord forgave you. Oh, we got that in there again as another reminder. Remember the Lord forgave you. You must forgive others. People who have accepted God's forgiveness, remember what it is that you received and then you carry it out to other people. You don't forgive someone just because they deserve it. You forgive them because you have been forgiven. Here's another thing. Make a decision to forgive based on what you know. What is it that you know? That God forgave me. Instead of what you feel. Forgiveness is not about a feeling. If I made it about a feeling, I probably would never forgive someone. I would carry it with me because I've still got that hurt feeling. But I can decide to set that hurt feeling aside and then forgive. So make a decision to forgive based on what I know that God forgave me rather than what I feel. Feelings and emotions are confusing. Feelings and emotions, they change from day to day. They change with circumstances. Feelings uh, change sometimes on whether you run into that person who has wronged you. And if you just say, I'm going to forgive this person, it doesn't matter if I see them or I don't see them, I'm going to have an attitude of forgiveness towards them. And once a decision is made, it's much easier to stay committed to that decision rather than allow you. It's not easy. Being a Christian is not easy. Here's one more thing I'll say about making a decision forgives others. They don't even have to ask for forgiveness in order for you to forgive. There's a reality to this, however. Paul discovered this, and he wrote some very wise words, which sort of, you would think, lets us off the hook, but not really. And I'm glad this verse is in there, because there are some people that it's impossible to get along with in life. But here's what Paul says. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. I'll tell you right up front, it's not always possible to be at peace with all people all the time, especially in the culture we live in. There are going to be people who are going to disagree with us. But as much as it is possible within us, Live peaceably with all men. As Christians, we don't have to fix everybody's problems. We feel like sometimes we do. We feel like we have to, break, we have to fix every broken relationship. 
and live in harmony with brothers and sisters. Unfortunately, some relationships are not going to work out. And it's okay to leave those relationships behind and go on with others within context of biblical teaching. But here's what we can do. Even with those people that it's difficult to live with or be around or choose not to be around who are still probably prominent in our life somehow, here's what we can do. We can pray for them and bless them. That's what Scripture teaches. It's hard not to change your thinking towards someone when you're praying for them. Uh, that has the potential of really changing, when we pray, our attitude toward them. It, it changes our relationship with God, and it, 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 maybe at times it's the only thing that can change a relationship towards someone who's hurt us. Still in Luke chapter 6, But I tell you, Jesus is saying, uh, who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. Jesus is not just making some nice teaching here. He's giving us a standard for the church to live by. Pray for and bless those, and he says, your enemies. Those who mistreat you. And all of us can do that. How can we, how can, how, who do we look to for that? Well, certainly it was Jesus. What did he say? After he'd been beaten, after he'd been subjected to mockery, after he had been, had nails driven through his hands and through his feet, after he's placed upon that cross and left to die, what does he do? He looks out and he says, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Allow me to do my work, God says. Let me take care of that. You know, really and truly, kind of, if you were to sum it all up, forgiving others is not really about them. It's about you. It's about us. It's about our relationship, first of all, with God. And it's about our relationship with ourselves. Don't you think Jesus recognized this when he told Peter, how many times do I forgive? Seventy times seven. If you want to have that right relationship with God, if you want to have that right relationship with those you're doing life with, have the attitude of forgiveness. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I pray that that right now is our attitude. As we recognize that love that was offered to us, the sacrifice that made forgiveness possible, Father, I pray that not a person within the sound of my voice has passed on that opportunity to be forgiven of their sins, to be in that right relationship with you because of their trust and their faith in Jesus Christ. And I pray, Father, if there's any conviction going on through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that's calling to mind that we need to forgive others, that we'll be able to lay it down before you today and ask for your help to realize the truth of the gospel. Not 
that we forgive because they deserve it. Not necessarily that we forgive to just relieve us of guilt we may have. But to be able to forgive because that's what you've commanded us to do. And to be able to have that right standing before you, which in turn blesses our life. Father, I pray if there's someone here today during this time of invitation, that they need to settle some business with you, either by for asking forgiveness for themselves personally or asking for help to forgive someone else that we will not pass by, allow this opportunity to pass by today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you please stand as we sing? Respond as God leads you to do. Abraham prayed for the day. God would give him a son. i 
something down means to surrender to give it to you and then to trust to know that you know what's best for us so Father I pray that if there's still something that we've yet to lay down that we would surrender today not let this day pass without giving it to you allow you to work in our lives because we choose we choose to surrender we ask these things in the name of Jesus Amen may be seated please has it been good to be in God's house this morning Amen Okay, we have several things we want to bring to your attention. Uh, the first thing is coming up in our ladies' ministry on the 24th of July. I encourage all of our ladies, if you haven't already signed up, please sign up. Um, you can see Lynn out in the lobby for that. And um, she wanted me to let you know, too, if you don't sign up, but you find as you get to the 24th that you're able to attend, please just come. Uh, but it's Sunday, Sunday social, uh, a really great time of ice cream and just... Uh, lots of toppings, and the fellowship's going to be the best. So uh, plan on being here, ladies. Also, on the 31st of July, we have something called our Super Saturated Sunday. This is a family fun day. Um, you don't want to miss this. It's going to be a blast. Um, we're going to be, um, we'll have water slides. We'll have water balloons. Anything to soak you, um, it's going to be here. So wear a raincoat or, or something like that. It's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, that starts at 5 p.m. Um, also, our men's ministry, Rick, do you want to talk about that? Men's ministry has a men's retreat coming up uh, September the 16th and 17th. 17th, uh, you can sign up on Realm. Uh, you can also catch me or Danny, uh, John Bagwell, uh, having Horton Haven. Uh, would really like to see all of you out there. We have a good time, uh, a lot of fellowship there. And, uh, really get to know a lot of people that you don't get a chance to sit down and talk to here so uh, I'd highly express my desire for you to come <laughs> alright hey stand with me as we close in worship God we thank you for today God thank you for the uh, tough message sometimes it's hard for us to hear and, and God it's not always easy to forgive but God I know you've called us to that standard so Lord if there's somebody in our circle that you've placed there that God, we're just harboring uh, hard feelings or grudge towards. Lord, just lead us to be obedient to what you've called us to today. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day and um, 
all the blessings that you have in store for us, uh, even still. Lord, let us go out and be a blessing to all those that uh, are out in our mission field. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of our pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. And let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us. And he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.